0: will help you love what you do in the future. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics.
1: Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're really choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mentioned that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit UpswellMarketing.com. That's Upswell marketing.com.
0: I'm looking right now at the Google Maps satellite image of my block of my house and the houses next to my house. And I can tell from looking at the picture that it is at least a year or so old. I know this because last summer, my kids and I watched as our next door neighbors had the time of their lives in their brand new above ground pool. And in this satellite picture on Google Maps, there is no pool. This is fine, I don't need to look at Google Maps to know that my neighbors are living their best lives now, and I perhaps am not. But there are other instances, other use cases, if you will, when you might want satellite images that are updated more frequently than every year or so. For example, if you were a hedge fund who wanted to know how many cars were in the parking lot of every Home Depot in America last weekend, or an NGO monitoring deforestation in the Amazon, or a government that wanted to see if foreign troops were massing near your border. If you were any of those things, you might want satellite images that are updated much more frequently than once a year. You might even want a new picture from space every single day. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and this is What's Your Problem? The show where I talk to entrepreneurs and engineers about how they're going to change the world once they solve a few problems. My guest today is Will Marshall, the co-founder and CEO of Planet. Planet is a private company, and they own a fleet of over 200 satellites that takes a picture of the entire Earth every day. Will's current problem? How to turn a daily picture of the Earth into useful information. Will started his career as an engineer at NASA. And while he was there, he and a colleague came up with the idea for Planet. But to get started, they faced a simple, massive problem. Satellites were way, way, way too expensive, about a billion dollars per satellite. And they knew they'd never be able to get a whole fleet of satellites into space at that price. So they asked themselves a question. What's something that is a lot like a satellite, but much cheaper?
2: We had looked at a phone um, and said, well, that's got most of the ingredients of a satellite. Um, If you look at a smartphone, it has GPS telling you where you are. It has cameras. It has hard drives. It has accelerometers. It has rate gyros that are used for gaming so people know when they're tipping the thing. Actually, that's kind of handy for spacecraft. The only thing it doesn't have that a spacecraft has is continuous power supply. It has a battery, right? But it doesn't have the ability to power itself. Okay. So, um, and it doesn't have a bright enough radio, if you like. Its, it's radio is sort of short range, whereas <laughs> we need a, a more substantive radio. Um, but it has a lot of the ingredients.
0: But also, it doesn't cost a billion dollars on the plus, side. Well,
2: that's the other thing. Yeah, so it cost, maybe it costs $500, not $500 million. Yeah. And so we thought it would be cunning to throw some of these phones in space and see what, what happened to them. And we did. This is when we are at NASA.
0: You like put it in a box with a solar panel and a stronger radio?
2: Yeah, exactly. Bingo. And then put it into space. They were tumbling around. And they took a few pictures of the Earth with their cameras on the phone. Just with their regular smartphone yep. camera? Yep. And then we had amateur radio observers uh, pick up the Signals from these, uh, uh with so the they're slightly- like
0: texting the selfie of the earth back yes, to earth,
2: yes. And then we recompiled all the bits of the pictures into a, a picture of the earth. And then
0: we were like, okay, and did so? Did it
2: work? Yes, it worked. The phones worked just fine in space. We flew three of them, three Google Nexus ones because they were easier to hack at than the iPhone. And, and that was when we decided, okay, we could do this very differently, but it's probably makes more sense as a private company because NASA set about doing exploration and science. But this was more applied. This was uh-huh. more about commercial uh, benefits or humanitarian benefits. or It's very applied in nature. And so, um, we thought we could do it a little bit faster outside of NASA. So we left NASA to do this project of uh, setting out this goal of launching about 100 satellites to image the whole Earth every single
0: day. So you leave NASA at this moment when a satellite costs a billion dollars, So you need something between a $500 smartphone and a billion-dollar satellite, right? So what is the thing you've got to build? Like, more or less, how much does it have to cost? How cheap do you have to be able to make a satellite when you set out for it to work?
2: We thought that we could do it for order a couple of hundred thousand dollars per satellite.
0: And so to get from a billion to 300000 all the way down, like, can you just tell me maybe one problem you solved? Like one yeah. thing you had to figure out, obviously, I'm sure you had to figure out a thousand things, a billion things to save a billion dollars. But like, what's one little problem you solved along that way?
2: One is uh, radios. So uh, the smallest radio that would work in the frequency band that's designated for satellites to do earth imaging, uh, cost more than yeah. a million dollars, yeah. I think a few million dollars, and was bigger than our yeah. entire satellite is meant to be. <laughs> And we were like, well, damn it, that's not going to work because most of the satellite needs to be our telescope. We need to scram it into a little motherboard and and have a little antenna on the side. Uh Um, And by the way, that that system would only produce about a few megabits a second. And we needed gigabits a second. So it was not only too expensive and too massive, it didn't even do the job. And so we built our own radios from scratch, designed these Antenna that was based on pieces of wire, but they're machine learning designs so that they, even though it's just like a paperclip almost, we now get—it's
0: the perfect paperclip. Yes,
2: it's a perfectly designed paperclip, and we can now get 1.8 gigabits a second over a thousand-kilometer range, which is unheard
0: of. And how much does it cost? How much does it cost?
2: Over order a thousand dollars.
0: Thousand dollars instead of a million.
2: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know. We didn't take space-grade components. We took components that we knew would work in a vacuum and tried them and had, instead of trying to put all our energies into one spacecraft, we would build lots of them. And if one or two spacecraft died, it's not the end of the world either. So Uh by doing that, it enabled us to leverage the latest technologies because if you don't care so much if it's for sure going to work you know you you just want it to be like 80 percent probable of uh-huh. working or 90 percent probable uh-huh. of working you can take bigger risk which actually mean you can more use more latest gadgetry yeah
0: so that's a bigger idea so by using cheaper components it's okay if they fail because you're launching 100 satellites and if 95 of them make it
2: that's just fine
0: that's just fine.
2: And uh, let me give you a concrete example. Uh, the last launch we did just a few weeks ago on a SpaceX rocket, um, we launched 44 satellites, and one of them hasn't worked. And we barely, you know, blinked as an organization. Uh-huh. You know, it was, in fact... Because that's part of the plan. That's part of the that's, plan. They're,
0: they're built to yeah. fail, what, how is there some amount of time, like you expect 10% failure rate or 5% or do you have that sort of penciled out?
2: You know, I've, I've asked the team to shoot for more like 10% or 20% failure rate, but we've never achieved that. We've always been much lower. Oh, and I, I like get you, quite annoyed by that. You need to that. take more
0: risk. You need to make the, make <laughs> the components more cheaper right.
2: or whatever. Right, 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 I like right, it. Right. That's really interesting. It suggests interesting. that we're being too conservative.
0: So you, you build the satellites. It works. You got your cheap satellites. Now you got to get them to space.
2: Yes, correct. We call it piggybacking, piggyback payloads. Uh, So obviously there's a big satellite paying for most of the cost of the rocket. And we say, well, there's a little bit of space there. Can we shove a few satellites in? It's like we're hitchhikers. It's like we're going to Florida and we're sticking up our thumb and saying, hey, can we Can we come up with you guys?
0: (laughs) Well, and your satellites are, in fact, small, right? Just like...
2: Yeah, very small. Tell me what one looks like. It's about the size of a loaf of bread. It's 10 by 10 by 30 centimeters. It weighs about five kilograms.
0: So it's so tiny. For a satellite, tiny. Smaller than what anybody would think of a satellite
2: being. Absolutely. We can take them on our hand luggage. In fact, that's how we did get them to the launch site early on. <laughs> well, you checked
0: them on the, you carried <laughs> yeah, them on. Yeah, yeah, just carried them on
2: a carry-on luggage, yeah. You put them um, in the overhead or yeah, under Yeah, seat? just put them in the overhead. I mean, we, we yeah. wrap them up a bit and stuff, and we have to tell real, the people. You,
0: you really have carried them on the plane? Oh, yeah, yeah, um, uh, to the launch site, yeah. So, I mean, in a sense, like, the satellites are cool, but you're a data business, right? Your business is not really launching satellites. It's selling data. And specifically, so you take a picture of the whole earth every day. Who do you sell it to? What do you do with it? Yeah.
2: So the biggest one is agriculture, the one I just mentioned, and we help them improve efficiency by 20 or 40 percent, decrease use of fertilizer, similar sorts of amounts. So that's a big deal for a big industry uh, like that. Um, forestry. We work with uh, mapping, like Google, uh, helping improve the maps, Um, civil government with disaster response, so floods, fires, earthquakes. We help um, countries monitor marine protected areas and coral reef zones and make sure that there's not illegal fishing. Um, Insurance, uh, hedge funds,
0: Spying comes to mind. Like, are intelligence agencies clients of yours?
2: Yes, um, they are. Um, But we take a super important principle, which is why I think it's different than the classical way uh, that earth imaging can be used in this arena, which is Uh non-exclusivity. We can provide that data because we scan automatically. We are not mainly just taking tasks for a specific location for a specific customer, say the CIA. (laughs) You know, we are scanning the whole earth And if if they want to buy it, that's okay. But other people could also buy the same thing.
0: And that's really important. Let me ask you about privacy, though. Is there a creepy version of your company? Not that you're that version, but like, do you know what I'm saying?
2: Basically, the answer is we don't really get into personal privacy. And here's why. We're 500 kilometers up. That's like me in San Francisco pointing my uh, camera at Los Angeles and expecting to see personal details. It turns out you can't. You're too okay. far away. Okay. That pixel size, maybe that'll go in half in time, you know? Yeah. But you're still not gonna be identify a person. Okay. You, you know, even if it goes in 10X, you still won't be able to identify a person. Yes. So we are a very long way from being able to do anything like that.
0: After the break, Will's next big problem. How do you turn a picture of the earth into useful, actionable information? You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash wise Okay, 10 seconds. How many things can you name that are always growing? The universe, easy one. Um, my kids, so far. Uh, to-do lists. Uh, for this month, my sugar snap peas. I know that's not always. I know I'm out of time, but I'm going to give you one more. Businesses on Shopify. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms, and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. There are key moments in every endeavor. I ask pretty much everybody I interview on this show about their key moments, their breakthroughs, their failures, their turnarounds, and Shopify can be there for you at all of your key moments. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash problem. Go to shopify.com slash problem now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash problem.
3: Hello, hello. Malcolm Grabwell here from Revisionist History. If you've watched a professional tennis match recently, you'll know that fans have this amazing new tool at their disposal. It was created by the consulting company Infosys and the Association of Tennis Professionals. It's an immersive 3D viewing experience for tennis fans, which allows them to watch matches from new angles, get real-time statistics, and better understand the inner workings of the game and its athletes. Basically, a completely new, data-driven way to appreciate a tennis match. It's been a huge hit. And I'm proud to say that the Infosys Tennis platform earned first place in the customer experience category at the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business, an event held at Mobile World Congress in Las Vegas that celebrates customers who've boldly innovated for the sake of meaningful change. And I think it's important to point out that innovation like this doesn't just require a great idea and exploit some great underlying technology. It takes courage. Because tennis is a game with a long history and some pretty powerful traditions. I mean, you can only wear white at Wimbledon. Still, it's the 21st century. And here was an idea that said we can dramatically change the way a fan watches a match. We can feed them data. We can allow them to see things they could never see before with the naked eye. Or even conventional camera angles. If you want to turn a world upside down, you have to have a pretty strong backbone. That's a lot of what the T-Mobile for Business Unconventional Awards are all about. Finding people in companies who show that kind of boldness. I encourage you to enter. It's a fantastic event and a great way to be recognized for your brave, outside-the-box thinking in front of the industry's most influential leaders. And an even better way to say, I told you so. You can enter by July 31st at T-Mobile.com slash that's tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there. That's the end of the ads. Now we're
0: going back to the show. So I want to talk about some of the problems you haven't figured out how to solve yet. And I think in particular with the data business, right? I mean, it seems like that's really the the sort of frontier for you, right? You have these pictures every day of the earth and it's sort of how do you make them useful right so what is something you know, what's a problem you haven't solved in that part of your business
2: well many because the use cases are many and yeah. uh you're right uh, a picture can be useful but most people most of the time want more than a picture that agriculture farmer actually doesn't want the picture they might look at it They know
0: what their field looks like but right? they
2: more want where do i should i add fertilizer where should i water um uh, the civil government doesn't want to have pictures they want to know where are the roads that are still working after the flood or the bridges down uh-huh. after the you know uh-huh. a hurricane or whatever so that they can send in the relief supplies so they want more detailed information that is in principle in those images, but you have to extract out. So the big project across all of these things that we're doing is something that I call queryable
0: Earth, queryable like searchable, like a search query,
2: searchable Earth. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. Th- so the, the reason I think about it like that way, think about this: Google indexed what's on the internet and made it searchable, right? It made a database of where all the pages are, what contents are where, so that when you type in whatever, you get an answer that's relevant. We have the ability, with machine learning, the same tools that pick out cats and dogs from pictures that you post online and can pull that out, is the same tool we can use to pull out, this is a tree, this is a road, this is a house, this is a building, this is a ship, this is a plane, out of our images. So we call it object identification using computer vision or machine learning or artificial intelligence is the broadest category. Um, Then you can imagine that the interface to our data becomes less and less the imagery of the earth and more and more a little search box. And you can put in, hey, how many roads are there in India? Give me a plot of that versus time. Tell me where the deforestation is between this month and last month in the Congo Basin or um, the Amazon the kind of data that you should be able to pull out. And I call it, yeah, queryable
0: So that's the dream. That's the it's goal. Big problem. What? It's a big problem. I mean, it's fundamentally <laughs> an AI machine learning problem. Like, are you yeah. guys, do you guys have to solve that AI machine learning problem? Is it sort of the frontier of machine learning and really turning images into data, right? Or at least into language? I mean, what, what has to happen? How do you solve that problem?
2: Well, luckily, computer vision has come a long way, and we don't have to solve it all ourselves. We are doing some of that machine learning ourselves, uh, but we also work with partners, um, especially because a lot of it's bespoke to different regions, to different problem statements. Uh-huh. So we have done some core things that we think a lot of people are interested in, roads, buildings, ships, planes. Uh, there's a number more. Who are we going after?
0: And just to be clear, can anybody who wants to just go to your website and search whatever, how many roads are there in Michigan?
2: No, no, you can't actually. Uh, uh, you, You can sign on a trial account and you can get some of these capabilities, but generally this is set up for at the present, more sophisticated users. I don't mean to, I don't know how sophisticated you cool. are personally. <laughs> I'm sitting here in my closet
0: recording <laughs> but, a podcast. I'm happy to be an unsophisticated user. But,
2: but you know, Google uses our APIs and those big uh-huh. ad companies use our APIs and they, they have teams of people. And, but, but that's exactly the problem we're trying to crack, is to help um, everyone to be able to have access to this data, not just yeah. the big organizations that have teams of people with phds in satellite imagery processing you know we yeah. want to enable it to be that little insurance company that little that little um, NGO, that university team that 's doing research on penguins or whatever you know like we want them all to be able to leverage the data. So how yeah. do we make it easier to use? How do we help them to build the models that they need? And build yeah. So we're trying to build infrastructure that helps them refine this data to make it useful.
0: I mean, you need like automation in the middle, right? You There's like, you got all the pictures yeah. and then you got people who want information out of the pictures. Correct. And right now it's hard and expensive to get the information correct. out of the That's pictures. Correct. And so you got to automate a lot of that process. Bingo. You probably think it's too soon to join AARP, right? Well, let's take a minute to talk about it. Where do you see yourself in 15 years? More specifically, your career, your health, your social life. What are you doing now to help you get there? There are tons of ways for you to start preparing today for your future with AARP. That dream job you've dreamt about? Sign up for AARP reskilling courses to help make it a reality. How about that active lifestyle you've only spoken about from the couch? AARP has health tips and wellness tools to keep you moving for years to come. But none of these experiences are without making friends along the way. Connect with your community through AARP volunteer events. So it's safe to say it's never too soon to join AARP. They're here to help your money, health, and happiness live as long as you do. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org slash
3: wisefriend. Hello, hello. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. Let me tell you an unconventional story about a healthcare group that wanted to improve their efficiency. Boston Children's Hospital. They were already a leading pediatric facility. Their patient outcomes, workflows, and delivery of care were already great. But they wondered, how can we make it better? So the hospital got to work. Their idea was to build what they called clinical mobility, meaning a system which would allow their staff to access information and interact with patients on mobile devices anywhere in the hospital. And what made that possible? 5G. The hospital rebuilt their entire system with 5G technology at its core. That infrastructure now supports thousands of phones and tablets so practitioners can communicate with patients unconventional awards that's tmobile.com com slash unconventional awards i'll save you a seat if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business
0: owner listen up upswell marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business they're actually choosing you so focus on super serving your existing customers Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Okay, let's get back to the show. We're going to close with the lightning round. Okay, uh just have a very few quick lightning round questions for the end. What are the chances that a Kardashian will go to space before you?
2: What is a Kardashian?
0: Let me ask it another way. What are the chances you'll go to space?
2: Um, I think that um, there's a good chance uh, that anyone that wants to go to space will go if they, you know, in our lifetime. Um, Do you want to go to space? Do you want Yeah, to I, I would quite like to, but it's not my main goal in life. I would love to see the Earth. I'd especially love to go around the moon and look back at the Earth and ah, see that's the Earth a good one. like four times wider than the moon in the sky and be able to see the beautiful um, cradle of civilization.
0: That's a good one. Um, Star Wars or Star Trek?
2: Star Trek, for sure.
0: What's one piece of advice you'd give
2: somebody trying to
0: solve a hard problem?
2: Um, stick with it. You know, I think the biggest thing that differentiates those that succeed those that don't it's less the idea and the timing both of which are important but more the uh staying power it's in it's perseverance uh and and i think you know you've got to do keep on going in the face of a lot of people saying it's not possible
0: good you have any favorite images that planet has ever captured
2: i think the very first image we ever captured uh is an oregon area of partially forested partially agricultural lands pasture lands and um we could immediately see from that first picture that we could identify individual trees in the field. And then we were like, oh my God, we can we can do this mission.
0: You think you'll ever leave planet?
2: Leave planet, did you say?
0: Yeah, like is there well, some you... moment when it'll be time for you to do something else? Last question. It's, it's
2: definitely my life's work. Uh, and I, I'd be surprised if I'm not working here in some capacity for a while. I mean, look, I enjoy it. And um, I think I'm more likely to leave the planet than planet. <laughs>
0: Will Marshall is co-founder and CEO of Planet. Big news in the What's Your Problem universe this week? We got our own email address. It's problem at pushkin.fm. I would love to hear what you think of the show. If there's topics you want to cover, guests you want to hear, things you'd like us to do differently, please, please do let us know. Again, it's problem at pushkin.fm. Today's show was edited by Robert Smith produced by Edith Russo and engineered by Amanda K. Wong. I'm Jacob Goldstein, and we'll be back next week with another episode of What's Your Problem?
1: marketing.com.
0: If you're looking for a new podcast, but don't know where to start, here's one you can add to your list. The Jordan Harbinger Show. The Jordan Harbinger Show is aimed at making you a better informed critical thinker so you can get a sense of how the world actually works and come to your own conclusions about what's happening. Jordan talks to everyone from neuroscientists to CEOs to astronauts, authors, and performers. You might enjoy Jordan's interview with historian Yuval Noah Harari, the author of Sapiens, A Brief History of Humankind, or his episode with Fool Me Once author Kelly Richmond Pope on how fraud became a trillion-dollar industry. Whether Jordan's conducting an interview or giving advice to a listener, you'll find something useful that you can apply to your own life in every episode of The Jordan Harbinger Show. That could mean learning how to ask for advice the right way, or it could just be discovering a slight mindset tweak that changes how you see the world. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show, that's H-A-R-B-I-N-G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you listen to podcasts.